Monica. Today we're talking about self-sufficiency. On a scale of one to 10, what number would you give yourself regarding your own personal self-sufficiency? I would say about a two. I used to think that if the zombie apocalypse came, I would just turn myself in to be food. But these <laughs> days, um, I've been thinking about self-sufficiency in terms of being a grown-up. Like, are you able to take care of yourself? Are you not relying on a bunch of other people to take care of you? How do you define it? To me, self-sufficiency means depending on yourself in a situation where most people would rely on others. Are you self-sufficient? I'm self-sufficient in some ways. I'm pretty handy around the house, fixing things, and I'm a decent shade tree mechanic. And that right there saved me a lot of money over the years. But in other ways, probably not so much. Uh, I don't hunt. I don't farm. I totally rely on grocery stores to get all my food. Um, although I do kind of avoid restaurants, not really into eating out. Buy all my own clothes. I don't make clothes. Um, when I get sick, really sick, I go to a doctor. I don't go out and gather herbs and medicines and things like that. Uh, I think a person really has to pick their priorities because it's unrealistic to expect most of us to be completely self-sufficient these days. I'd give myself a five out of 10. Although I do own a crossbow and a pair of night vision goggles for when the zombie apocalypse comes. Booyah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm headed to North Carolina. Maybe I'll have like a few extra days in the apocalypse. If you can uh, help out with that. <laughs> I think I want to revise my number. Um, I'm more like a one <laughs> on the self-sufficiency scale. If anything goes wrong in my life, I want to go and hire somebody with money I don't have to fix it. For example, the other day, I heard this scratching noise in the vents in my house. And I was so upset because that means there's some little creature living in there. And I have absolutely no idea. I just pull the vents down and hope that it falls on my head or... Do I call it an exterminator and have them come and take care of it? Luckily, the noise went away, so. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> There's all kinds of cool YouTube videos for stuff like that, how to pull a mouse out of your door. Oh, really? And, yeah. <laughs> cut little holes in the wall and put like a little cardboard box there with a hole and it'll crawl into the box and then you s oh. put the lid on the box and then you just patch up that little hole with some sheetrock. Or... Maybe self-sufficiency is about... How many times you can just go to YouTube and figure it out on your own? <laughs> I know, totally. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with a, a YouTube video and a basic set of hand tools these days. Well, what does self-sufficiency have to do with finances? I believe it's one of the best ways for a person to get ahead financially. I've worked with people over the years, and I can't tell you how often I see people struggle when a car breaks down or a major home appliance gives out. Those are pretty serious budget killers. And especially if you have to call a repair person. Eating out, that's a big cost too. It's ridiculous how many restaurant meals are made from ingredients that cost, what, less than a couple dollars? Markup on menus is insane. And that's really just two ways to get it financially. Earn more, spend less. So for most of us, it's faster and easier to spend less. So whatever we can do to reduce everyday expenses, minimizing the damage of those dreaded emergencies, I think a little self-sufficiency goes a long way. I hear you on the eating in instead of eating out. Uh, 
My coworker, Andy Murphy, she has a podcast called the Toasted Sister Podcast. It's about indigenous food. And we took a no eating out challenge for a month. And um, there's a whole episode about it. You can find a link to it on our website, nativesonabudget.com. But uh, it was pretty great to spend the whole month not going to a single restaurant and cooking all my own food. Um, It made me feel a lot more self-sufficient. I want to get more into this topic. But first, we're going to take a short break. Support for Natives on a Budget provided by Canning. It's what your grandparents used to do with a harvest after working in the fields every day through the hot summer. It involves water, science, glass jars, and tongs so you don't burn your paws. Learn more on YouTube from a hipster or the oldest person in your family. Sean, have you ever grown your own food? Kind of. Um, we do have a small garden in my backyard, but my wife and my daughter, they're the ones that, that manage it. They grow tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce. It's not a big garden, but holy cow, once those tomatoes start coming, they just, you know, they just keep coming, you know, for like three weeks. It's just every day there's like probably 30 tomatoes out there. So we eat a lot of salads during the summer. Good ones too. I heard someone describe that one time as... When you grow your own food, it's like printing money. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you sit there and you wait and you wait and then you see, you know, a few little buds start and, you know, it's tomatoes or cucumbers. And then, then one day they're just there and you pick them all. And the next day there's, there's twice as many as there were the day before. And you, you get this huge harvest, you know, even just a few plants. That's what amazes me. Just a few plants yield, yield a lot of tomatoes or a lot of cucumbers. I think it's really cool. I mean, and they taste great. You know, because I think some people are like, oh, I remember when I was a kid, we had a we had a garden, and I always thought that the vegetables just didn't taste quite as, they just weren't quite as tasty as what you'd get like at the supermarket. But I think you know the stuff we have. I, I think the tomatoes they're, they're 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 really good. They're sweet. They're juicy. Same with the cucumbers. Same with the lettuce. So yeah, I think it's really cool. It's just it does take time, you know, to plant the garden, to water, and things like that. And there's definitely an investment there, but, and I, I don't think it's really all, I mean, unless you have a big garden, I don't know that you're really saving that much money, but it sure feels good. It feels wonderful just to go out there and pick your fresh tomatoes for, for salad for dinner and, and having all that stuff there in your yard and knowing that there's no pesticides in it, knowing that it's all natural. It's a, it's a great feeling. The first time I ever grew something and ate it myself, it was like, ah, oh, this is the ultimate self-sufficiency. Maybe I don't have to be food for the apocalypse. Like maybe I could grow my own food and and survive for 10 minutes past when the apocalypse starts. <laughs> Feeding yourself is a big part of self-sufficiency. Some might say it's the most important. In 2019, we had an episode of Native America Calling on healthy eating on a budget. Did you know the federal government offers guidelines on how much to spend on food? A bare minimum, low-cost food plan for a family of four with two adults and two small children is $130 a week. In this episode, I talked with one of my favorite guests, Megan Baldy. She's Hoopa and a community garden manager and host of Cooking Healthy in Indian Country. Asked her if it was cheaper to grow your own food. We are the 
total budget family. We have six kids, five boys, one girl. And for anybody out there that has boys, they know they can eat a lot. So for (laughs) us, you know, we have to plan ahead and we have to figure out how we can get our food supply cheaper. Um, I was just listening to what you said where the USDA said it was $130 per week for a family of four. And I was just like, wow, we're underneath that amount that we spend a week on our food. And I attribute a lot of that to growing our own food. We raise our own animals and we gather, we hunt, we fish a lot of our food resources. We in here in Hoopa, uh, we're we're so rural that we're like 60 miles from the nearest big grocery store. And uh, we didn't have a store here for like three years. We only had like a mini mart. And so, you know, we factor that into our budget. And so, yeah, I believe that us growing our own food and uh, raising our own food has been so financially um, appropriate to the return on it that we we wouldn't do anything else, I don't think, even if we got a big supermarket here. Megan's family raises pigs, and she says one of her favorite meals to make is pork tacos. Now, obviously, raising almost all your own food isn't for everyone. But one thing you can do is make a good portion of your meals. As I mentioned before, last year, Andy and I did a no eating out challenge for a month. Here's a little bit of the Toasted Sister episode that Andy produced after we took the challenge. At the beginning of the 31 days, Monica and I went into the studio to talk about some challenges. So I am not excited about the lunch that I brought today (laughs) Um, because I have a can of soup and then some tuna with mayonnaise and uh, relish. I think maybe like four or five snacks and that's it. Um, I had every intention of making this uh, zucchini lasagna, Okay. Um, but I had a migraine yesterday. I left work early. I slept all afternoon. I just did not feel like cooking last night. And I had this whole conversation with myself that was like, well, you're just setting yourself up for wanting to go out to eat. (laughs) So I looked in my cabinet and I was like, okay, these things are available, but. Tuna and mayonnaise? Yeah. Not that exciting. (laughs) Were you trying to make like a tuna sandwich or something? No, I'm just going to eat the tuna with mayonnaise and some. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is the problem we talked about, which is that. (laughs) The creativity level is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of me last night. Um, I went to the gym late. And then after that, I was just kind of exhausted and I wanted to just go to sleep. It was like 11 o'clock. And I looked in my fridge and I'm like, I got nothing to eat for tomorrow. So I looked around. I saw some squash. I had made some tacos uh, over the weekend and uh, had some of those ingredients left over. So I thought, let me make uh, some kind of pasta salad because I also had those twirly noodles mm, a little bit good. in the box left over. So I put all that together and it turned out to be really good. I can't wait to have my lunch right now. Um, some kind of like Mexican pasta salad. But um, uh, I mentioned the weekend. How did your first weekend go not eating out? It was good. I, I made pizza for myself. I made a number of things. It occurred to me maybe like a couple of times about going out. I didn't realize how much I thought about going out, planned to go out, things like that. Like I was out walking my dog Saturday morning and I realized that I had my credit card with me and I live right 
near a Starbucks mm-hmm. and a Panera. And I was like, oh, you could take yourself, go get a drink because it's there, you know? <laughs> and I was like, nope, you're not doing that. There's plenty of whatever you want to drink is at your house, mm-hmm. you know? So it's been an interesting thought process in terms of how much you think about wanting to go out to eat. At the end of the episode, we both felt great about pushing ourselves not to eat out the whole time. We also figured out the money part of the challenge. Um, How much money do you think you saved? Can you give me a a dollar amount? Well, the month before, I spent $57 eating out. And the month before that, it was uh, $83, I -hmm. believe. Um, So I would say somewhere in between those two is what I saved. Wow. You want to know how much I saved? Yeah. I tallied it up from March 11th to April 11th, which April 11th was was the first day we started this challenge. Um, I spent $302.39 on food, <sighs> eating out. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? To me, obviously, I think that's like a lot of money. Yeah, me too. I know you, <laughs> I went to go tally these things up and, and you watched me kind of start and get into my bank account. And you're like, you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> you tallying up all those numbers and I kind of hate myself a little bit. $302 just that, eating out. That's what um, a, a little bit less than what I spend every month on a student loan payment. Mm-hmm. So for me, that would equal, a, you know, an extra student loan payment. If you want to put it in under other perspective, it's probably a month's worth of groceries. Now you have to decide for yourself if $300 is too much to be spending on eating out. Maybe you travel a lot and it's a necessity. The key to being more self-sufficient is to be intentional, set your goals, and plan ahead. I've got a page on nativesonabudget.com all about the 2020 No Eating Out Challenge, which includes the rules I made for myself this year. And now for tough questions. It's February, and you should be thinking about filing your taxes. So... Someone wrote to us and they said that they're thinking about getting a loan on their refund. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I'm not a fan of those. They call them refund anticipation loans, RALs. And back in the day, those made sense when everybody did their taxes by hand and they mailed in their returns and they waited for their refund checks in the mail, right? But now you can file your taxes online and you can have direct deposit of your refund. So most refunds are processed within like a week. So the idea of taking out one of these refund anticipation loans to save you a few days, no. I mean, back in the day when it took six weeks to get a refund, I I got it. Yeah, that made sense for some people, but I'd only recommend them. And the fees on those things are crazy too. Yeah, you just pay a lot of interest on on money that you're going to have in a few days. So just be patient. Yeah, I want to go on a little rant if you let me. Sure. (laughs) Every, Rant away. Okay, so many of us in Indian country should not be paying to have our taxes done. And there's all kinds of places, particularly in the border towns, where they're offering up, they'll give you your refund in advance, and but they're going to charge you like two or $300 to do your taxes. And if you make less than $66,000 a year, you probably qualify for a program where you can do your taxes for free online. I've got a link on nativesonabudget.com to the IRS website where you can pick 
an online program where you can do your taxes for free. Use the link that we provided. Do not Google free taxes because there are a bunch of companies out there who are desperately trying to get your business and they lure you in promising you that do your taxes for free. You get halfway through doing your taxes and then there's one little thing that they add to it like if you own your own home or if you have a second biz, you know, a second job, a, an extra W-2, and then suddenly, nope, you have to pay. It's the, the paid version of the program. Scandalous. Oh, it, it makes me so mad. I, I just, I can't even. So really, check out these links. And if you don't feel comfortable doing your taxes online, if you are afraid you're going to make some mistakes or something like that, there's a bunch of different programs out there where you can go and they'll do your taxes for free at community colleges, at a lot of our tribal colleges. We're going to put um, as many links as we can find for those on our website and check it out, nativesonabudget.com. And uh, Sean, I understand that you are actually in favor of doing your taxes yourself. I am. And, and I think for a lot of people, their taxes are really simple. And even now with some of these new changes to the tax code, uh, it's become streamlined. So filing taxes is actually easier. The, the forms this past year were easier than they were in years past. And I think it's a great way to really get people in touch with their money. When you do your taxes yourself, you see you know, what your income is, uh, you see where your deductions are. And even if you do them old school by hand using the book, and using the old tax tables, you see where you know the income cutoffs change. You see where the tax rates change. If you have a little bit of investment income, you see how those capital gains are taxed differently depending on whether they're long-term or short-term. You learn a lot about your money. And, and as you grow and as you get older and your financial conditions change, they evolve, you do your tax and you just keep up to date. You know, I remember when I first started doing my taxes when I was a kid, I was just, it was a one, one page, 1040 EZ, right? One W-2 maybe. And then as I got older and I started deducting student loan interest, and then when I bought my house, and then we had my daughter and childcare, and, and over the years, it's just evolved. But I've learned. I've learned every year how to do them, even as my taxes and as my finances have become a little bit more complicated. And I, I just think I learned so much from it. And it's not that hard, especially with, with the software out there. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people can do them themselves. So you're okay if, if people want to go online and, and do the use the software, but you, you think that everyone should, for at least once, just do the pen and paper? Well, I don't know about everybody. I mean, it, it, you know, but I, I think it's like balancing a checkbook. How many people still sit down with a pencil in one of those old-fashioned checkbook registers and balance a checkbook? People don't really do that anymore. But I think everybody should know how. I think it's, it's valuable for people to initially learn how to do that. And then once they do, they can, you know, do whatever method they want to, to balance a checkbook. But... I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's value in it in doing taxes. And um, what if you're bad at math? Well, if you're bad at math, I was told there'd be no math. It's pretty basic math. It's just it's adding and subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Uh, maybe not using the book. I'm mean, definitely you don't have to worry about math if you do if you use software. And so for some people, software might be the better route to go if you struggle with math or, or you know even you know just using the tables. That might be that might present some challenges. So, Monica, what are you going to do this month to make yourself more self-sufficient? I have a stack of clothes that need mending, just small things like buttons and hems. So I'm going to do that instead of just throwing them away. Nice, nice. 
What about you? Well, there's always something around the house that needs fixing. And last year, I was really proud of myself because we were looking for some new furniture. And specifically, we wanted one of those little accent chairs to put in the corner. (laughs) You know, you see those. And they're like all like four or 500 bucks, you know, decent ones. And I say that, like, I use that term loosely because nowadays, like, all furniture is pretty cheap, right? And I have this old, old couch and chair combo that I inherited from my sister like 20 years ago. And it was already old when she had it. So it had to have been made like in probably the early 80s. But it is just heavy duty, solid oak. The thing weighs a ton. And it's just it was just rough around the edges. You know, it was scratched up. It was faded. The cushions were really torn up. So I went ahead and refinished it. I just got some some stain and some sandpaper and got some polycrylic. And then uh, my wife, she was the one that actually sewed the new cushions. And that thing looks great. We were so proud of ourselves because we saved so much money and it looks so much better. We didn't have to go out and buy something. We already had it there in the house. There's an old piece of furniture that needed, uh, you know, a little bit of TLC. So that, you know, I'm still kind of riding that high from having <laughs> refinished that that furniture from last summer. But uh, other than that, I think uh, I want to try and cook more. We have a little agreement at home that my wife, she does the cooking and I do the dishes. And I'd like to, you know, maybe try and cook a few meals myself this month. Maybe something with some chili, something hot, something native. Is it cold in North Carolina in yeah, February? It's about similar to similar to here. It gets chilly, but not usually really, it doesn't really drop much into the teens. But chili's good any time of year. All right, relatives, some of you might be listening to this episode and thinking, shoot, I'm as self-sufficient as they come. I hunt, I grow my own food. That's life on the res. I'm going to challenge you to take a look around and see if someone around you could use a little encouragement to become a little more self-sufficient themselves. I once showed someone how to do their own taxes online using the free software available to people under a certain income. And she ended up saving half a day waiting in line to get her taxes done at the local community college. So whether you feel like you're a 10 on the self-sufficiency scale or just a 1, Just thinking about it will help you manage your finances. I know you've got a lot going on. There's a lot of stress around all of us, but I believe in you that you can do something different. Just one small thing this month to get your finances in order and be more self-sufficient. And I came up with a poem. Can I read it for you? Uh, Roses are red. Violets are blue. Self-sufficiency can make you so true. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stop you. (laughs) There will be no poetry in this podcast. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) No, but seriously, relatives, we believe in you. You can do this. Got the buzzer. (laughs) Got the buzzer. (laughs) Whether it's working on self-sufficiency or managing your finances, you've got this. And we're here to help you. You can send us an email to nativesonabudget at gmail.com. We want to hear what kind of financial things you're dealing with and whether or not self-sufficiency is something that you've ever thought about when it comes to your money. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think, Sean? I think self-sufficiency is the native way. We've been self-sufficient for so many, so many years. And I think we've gotten away from that in recent years, but let's take it back. Let's take back that self-sufficiency. All right. We will see you in March. Thanks for joining us. 
Natives on a Budget is hosted by Monica Brain and Sean Spruce. Clifton Chadwick does the voiceover for our sponsor segment. Intro music is by Torin Jacobs. And the sponsor music is Spark of Inspiration by Shane Ivers. Find more at silvermansound.com. Big thank you to Annie Murphy, Marino Spencer, and Art Hughes. Join our Facebook group, Natives on a Budget, or visit the website, nativesonabudget.com. We'll see you in March.